0: Hey, this is Dr. Jim Cox, and again, this is November the 27th, 2023. And we're looking now into Chapter 16 of the book, Basic Bible Prophecy by Ron Rhodes. And uh, we had been just talking as we ended the first hour of the Jewish remnant escaping from Jerusalem after the Antichrist desecrates the Jewish temple. And so they go out to the wilderness that talking about the, the, uh, the uh, Israel. And let me read the passage that he cites here, Matthew 24, 16 through 21. Now I'm looking at the middle on page 186 of the book. And he cites here this passage, he says, those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house A pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women or for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. And uh, he cites uh, Jeremiah 37, which talks about this period as being the time of Jacob's trouble, Jacob referring to Israel. And he says, when Antichrist reveals himself and breaks the covenant and demands to be worshiped, immediately flee, because it's gonna be a terrible tribulation. And so where do they go? They go to the wilderness and so, when we look at this next topic here, a Jewish, a Jewish remnant in the wilderness, it says, and let me go ahead and read this passage here. This is in Revelation 12, 14 through 17, that he cites this here, but I'm gonna read a little bit more of it. Revelation twelve fourteen through 17, it says, but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, By woman, as you read earlier in the passage, they're referring to Israel. So the woman is Israel. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent, the serpent being Satan, into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half time. That's three and a half years. The serpent poured water out poured water like a river out of his mouth and after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. Typically when we see the idea of a flood, it's talking about some type of army being swept out to try to destroy Israel here. It says, But the earth came to help to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Now some people think this is going to be in Petra or Basra. And And to get to Petra, you have to go through, I've seen pictures of just a small, narrow passageway to go back in there, which makes it almost impossible for an army to invade without being picked off one by one. Is that right, Tom? Yeah. It's called the SIG, and it's a mile long. okay. Excellent. And how big's the area of Basra? 25 square miles. 25 square miles, so enough room for Israel to park themselves there. And it has some protection from an army. There. One, way in, one, way out. one way in, one way out. So people, and that'll come into play when we look at the steps of Armageddon as well, because Jesus goes there to save the remnant. So we see this, uh, immediately they go there. Now some people say, well, there's an eagle. That must be the United States, the great eagle. Uh, no, the eagle refers to the speed at which they're able to move. Uh, that's what it's referring to. The great eagle is not the United States. The United States is not in scripture right there. Okay. And then he has a box here. And, uh, and, and notice that God's preserving this remnant, as he promised. It'll be a remnant. Uh, We know from uh, Zechariah 13 that two-thirds of the Jewish nation will be killed during the tribulation period. One-third will survive and be purified. We'll talk more about that when we get to uh, the salvation of that. But he has a box here on page 187, and it's it's called God's Protection of His People. So let me go ahead and read the verses that he cites here. Uh, on page 187, God is our hiding place, Psalm thirty-two seven, you are a hiding place for me, you preserve me from trouble, you surround me with shouts of deliverance. God is our refuge, Deuteronomy 3, 327, the eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are their everlasting arms and he thrust out the enemy before you and said destroy. Psalm 27 5, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent, he will lift me high on a rock. Psalm 31 20, in the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men, you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Psalm 46 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Then the next category is God is our rock and fortress. Psalm 71, three, be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. And then the next category here is God protects us from the Plots of the Wicked, Psalm 64, 2, Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked from the throng of evildoers, Psalm one nineteen one fifty-four. Plead my cause, and redeem me, give me life according to your promise, Psalm 140, verse 1, Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men, preserve me from violent men. The next category is We Dwell in the Secret Place of the Most High. Psalm 91.1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And then God delivers us out of trouble. Psalm 34.17-19. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And Psalm 121.8, The Lord will keep you're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And finally, the last box is, when we pass through deep waters, God will be there. Isaiah 43, two, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. So we see different promises of God's protection. Uh, a lot of these, the context is looking over the children of Israel, although we can claim those promises as well in a way that we know that God's our protector as well. Well, at the bottom of page 187, his next point is that the Antichrist's reach will expand, expand globally. Will expand globally. And so, let me flip this over here. And he says, uh, the whole world will be in allegiance to Antichrist. He has another box here on page 189 that kind of explains this. So again, let me go through the box and and read the verses that are relevant for this. And so anti-God globalism is going to occur during this period when he rules. So the whole world will give allegiance to the Antichrist. Revelation thirteen three says, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. <clears throat> so we see a worldwide kind of following by after the beast. The Antichrist will rule over all people. Revelation thirteen, verses seven and eight. Also was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it, that is the beast, everyone whose name had not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. And Those that are written in the book of the life of the Lamb are all believers from all time. Antichrist will be worshiped by all people, Revelation 13, 7, and eight. I think we read this a little while ago, but let me read it again. Also is allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. I just read that, but I'll read it again. And authority was given it over every tribe and people, language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name not written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb that was slain. So we just read that. In Revelation 13, 12, says it exercises as a beast all, excuse me, this is the false prophet, excuse me, false prophet, it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, that is Antichrist, whose mortal wound was healed. Now you read about this mortal wound, it appears that Antichrist will be wounded in some way and it'll appear that he's resurrected. Now, there's a difference of opinion by Bible teachers whether this is a true resurrection or it's a deceptive type of resurrection. Now, I'll tell you my two cents about it, okay? Uh, In fact, I was watching uh, somebody last night, who was it, was it John MacArthur? Somebody I was watching. But they claim that this resurrection was just a deceived resurrection, that he wasn't truly resurrected. However, there are a couple of spots in Revelation that says that this beast comes out of the abyss. Which would mean to me that if he did die, his spirit would come up out of the abyss. That's where the demons are at. And he would repossess the body in some way. So I think there is some evidence that perhaps he truly did die and his his spirit went to be in the abyss and then it was brought back into his body under the power of Satan. Could be. You're right. It is John MacArthur who thinks he's alive. It's all part of the it could be. I won't get into John MacArthur, but uh, all, I'm, all I'm saying is that uh, he thinks it's, he might think it's a deception. And I could have been looking at somebody, I looked at a... He that up on uh, Revelation 13 but uh-huh. says, as if. Oh, okay. It says, on his head as if it had been slain. Yeah. Well, people will think, it, it, however it happens, people will think that this guy this beast is resurrected in some way and he's alive again after being wounded in some way now whether it's the what's that jay so then they'll think he's the real deal it'll be it's just like satan trying to mimic what happened with christ a false resurrection or it could be some type of possession i don't know I mean, I know Satan is powerful, but how much power God's going to allow him to have, I don't know. I know when. Yes, go ahead, friend. I was wondering about AI. Yeah, AI. It could really be a or something, yeah. Well, that's what it kind of sounds like when you read the second part of Revelation 13. It says the false prophet has an image created and it becomes alive. Well, AI, they could yeah. have more than one. Yeah. It's possible, yeah, it's possible, but the true Antichrist or beast will be in their lake of fire, it won't be Ai, it'll be really him, he'll be there. So uh, we don't know how this takes place, but at least people will have the impression that there's something supernatural about this guy because he's resurrected from the dead. Sounds familiar, right? A false resurrection of some sort. And so we see that happening there. And and so that's another cause for worshiping the beast. As it talks about in Revelation 13. All right. So Antichrist will control the economy of the entire world, Revelation 13, 16-17. Also it causes all, that's the false prophet. Both great, small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast or the number of his name. And uh, I know who I was looking at. Um, What's his name? Uh, Jack? uh, Hibbs. What's that? Jack Hibbs. Hibbs. That's who I was looking at. You're talking about, You're talking prophecy. I could say, yeah, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. Whoa, wait a second here. <laughs> so he doesn't believe, Jack Hibbs, that uh, it's an actual resurrection. That's who it was. I was also watching John John MacArthur on a different topic uh, last night. But in uh, any case, uh, so I'm saying some Bible teachers believe that maybe it is and some believe it's just Deception, so we don't know all the details of that, but we know what people think they see. We do know that part, and we do also know that he controls all commerce. You can't buy or sell unless you have the mark, and and so we know today that that is is possible, right, with cryptocurrency, and we have the computer capacity to be able to control all that. And so we know in China already, they give everyone a social score. And if you don't get a certain score, you don't get to do certain things. And so it's easy, or I should say, it's technologically possible that this could be happening even today. It is. right? (laughs) You see it. Antichrist will head a global anti-god union in Revelation thirteen five through 7. And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months, three and a half years. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And this is also predicted, if you go back to Daniel 7, verse 23, it says that that beast conquers the whole world. So this comes even from Old Testament prophecies that we see back in Daniel, that whatever reason, we'll see that it looks like the world is completely helpless. It falls under the power and the sway and the deception of this Antichrist, empowered by Satan himself, and assisted by the false Holy Spirit, which is the false prophet. I say that because the function of the Holy Spirit is to honor and give attention to Christ, not himself. The same with the false prophet that we see here, will give honor and attention to the beast, which is the ultimate unholy trinity. Father, which is Satan. Son, which is antichrist. And Holy Spirit, which is the false prophet. Again, trying to deceive and mimic the holy trinity. Exactly, <laughs> nothing original, that's a good point Tom, huh? nothing original by Satan, just copy, copy, copy. Well, we get to our last point here, and that is, and by the way, I hope you read these other paragraphs and what he writes about it, we don't have time to cover everything he has in the chapter here, but he goes through and, t- and says that the the problems that we face today, you know, conflict, terrorism, starvation, pollution. This guy will come on the scene and, and offer to solve it and, and gain power that way. Finally, New Babylon will transform into the commercial center of the world. And, uh, and, and so let me read a little bit about what happens here with this, looking at some of these verses. Uh, going back to Revelation 17, where it talks about the false religious system Verse 16 says this, Revelation 17, 16. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute, that is, that false religion. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. And so what's going to happen is the Antichrist will turn on those that are heading up this false religion because he wants to consolidate all power with himself. He's not going to share it with some false religion. He used it to get power, but after he has power, he doesn't need this anymore. He himself will be doing the persecution of all believers. He doesn't need the false church anymore, and so they destroy the false church. In Daniel eleven thirty-six through thirty-eight. Here's a picture of the Antichrist in, in Daniel. And the king shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every God, he shall speak astonishing things against the God of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished for what is decreed shall be done. And he shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the beloved or, or to the one beloved by women he shall not pay attention to any other god, but he shall magnify himself above all. He shall honor the god of fortresses instead of these. A god whom his followers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and costly gifts. And I believe their god of fortresses would be the god of force, but also empowered by Satan himself, the dragon. And then Second Thessalonians 2, 4, we read this before, but it says, Who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. So he takes a seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And then Revelation thirteen eight. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world and the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. In Revelation 13 and 15, and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak, might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. And so the first part of this is him getting complete control over everything. And then he sets up his center in Babylon I believe it's gonna be the Babylon that we know today, although the physical changes that will occur because of the tribulation, we don't know exactly where that region will look the same or not. But it's gonna be that general location where it's at now, the Tigris and the Euphrates, sitting right there below the Euphrates, I believe. And In Revelation 18, verses nine through 13, Revelation 18:9 through 13. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon. For in a single hour, your judgment has come and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her since no one buys her third cargo anymore cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk scarlet cloth, and all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles, fibry, all kinds of articles, of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. So it's thought that even during this commercial Babylon will also go back to enslavement of people. And it could be enslavement of believers. It could be enslavement of anyone. We don't know. But it looks to me that this idea of uh, slavery will come back under this, this king. This Antichrist. So this, his his headquarters will be destroyed. And he summarized these things uh, on the two pages here, and uh, I guess it would be worth it to quickly read through these since uh, someone might be following here on online. Number one, on page 189, says the political leaders of the world will play a pivotal role in the global influence and influence of New Babylon. Their motivation is personal wealth. They will get rich off of New Babylon. Number two, business people from around the world will grow rich because of their association with New Babylon. Number three, New Babylon will purchase a wide array of products from all over the world. Number four, New Babylon will be headed up by an economic genius, the Satan-inspired Antichrist. Number five, the Mark of the Beast will directly well, directly connected to New Babylon's success. After all, no one can buy or sell anything without receiving the mark. We deduce that the products produced purchased by New Babylon will be from merchants who have received the mark of the beast. And number six, New Babylon will thrive throughout the second half of the tribulation period. His next point here on page 190 is that Armageddon will erupt at the Mount of Megiddo at the end of the Tribulation period. And uh, and so he goes through the phases here, but he also cites Daniel 11, 40 through 45. He says Armageddon will be a ca- catastrophic war campaign that will take place at the very end of the Tribulation period. And he cites Daniel 11:40 40 through 45, Joel 3, 9 through 17, and so forth. Well. We talked about Daniel 11, 40 through 45 before. In fact, it was handout number 68, and I had it out there tonight, 68. And let me read through it and comment. And as I mentioned at that time, I believe and some other Bible teachers believe that this war actually takes place around the middle of the tribulation and not during Armageddon itself. So if you happen to have handout 68, Let me read the passage here that he cites and then uh, I'll make some comments on it. So Daniel 11, 40 through 45, it says at the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and many ships. He shall come into countries and shall overflow and pass through. Verse 41 of chapter 11, he shall come into the glorious land, that's, the land of Israel. And tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand, Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites. That's actually where Petra is at in Basra. So he will not conquer that area. That's where they'll be going, fleeing to. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and silver and all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Cushites shall follow in his train but news from the east and the north shall alarm him, and he shall go out with great fury to destroy and devote many to destruction. And He shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain, as between Metre and sea and the mountain of Israel. And he shall come to his end with none to help him. So as they point out here, Antichrist has war against the 10 kings and moves out in all directions a conquest. He is seen moving against the king of the north, and the king of the south, and the king of the east. The three kings, Antichrist, will secede in killing, will be the king of the north, Syria, king of the south, Egypt, and the king of the east, Mesopotamia. In Daniel 7 eight, it says, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. <clears throat> Daniel 7:20. and about the 10 horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things that seemed greater than its companions. Then Daniel 7:24 says, and for the 10 horns out of this kingdom, 10 kings shall arise and another shall rise after him. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. So uh, if you flip over the page here in the back of it, it says, Antichrist's conquest of Egypt opens the door for his conquest of Africa. He will also invade Israel, the glorious land, and setting the stage for the abomination of desolation. Uh, although eventually Antichrist will gain political control of the whole world, three countries will escape his domination, Edom, Moab, and Ammon. And these three nations are under on one government day, the kingdom of Jordan. And again, like I said, that would be probably the place where Petra and Basra's at, where, uh, where Israel will hold up. So uh, I'll let you read the rest of that on your own. We, we covered this once before, but it's my opinion and some other uh, teachers that I respect that this war will occur before Armageddon he'll set the stage for Armageddon. They'll help him consolidate his power over these other kings. So he'll put down three kings and take over himself. I don't know if he takes over their regions, but he gets the allegiance of all the ten areas that they're in charge of. Any questions on that? So I wanted to mention a little thing that uh, he kind of combines that along with the others. The next thing he refers to as he refers to Joel 3, 9 through 17. That's actually the seventh step in the steps of Armageddon. So I won't address that. Uh, I'll address it in stage 7 uh, or phase 7 of Armageddon. But he does cite Zechariah 14, 1 through 3 in the passage here, and he says, Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken, the houses is plundered, the woman raped. Half the sea shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then The Lord will go out and fight against those nations when he fights on the day of battle. And so we see a picture of all the nations gathering against Jerusalem as part of Armageddon. And he cites Revelation 16, 14 through 16. Again, I'm, I'm referring to the verses here on page 190 at the top there uh, when he talks about Armageddon will erupt from the Mount of Megiddo. And Revelation 16:14 through 16 says, For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief, blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. That is the hill of Megiddo. And uh, so we'll talk more about that when we get to the steps here in a second. Then he cites Matthew 24, 22, And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So it won't be any longer than seven years total because he says if it would go on and on, there would be no one alive. That's how awful it will be. So let's go through the phases. He has the phases here on, on page 191. Uh, the phases of the Armageddon. Now, when we talked about this, there were a number of handouts that related to this, and you can go back and look. Handout 70, 71, and 72. So, you can go back and take a look at those, 70, 71, and 72. So, I'm just going to briefly go over each phase, but we spent some time going over a lot of verses, uh, looking at those handouts, 70, 71, and 72. In fact, I think Handout 70 70 has all the verses on it. Mm -hmm. So all the verses that you can go through and look up. But let me go through each phase as he discusses. I'm gonna read a few of the verses that he refers to as we go through each phase. So phase one, gathering at Megiddo. This Megiddo plain is 14 miles wide by 20 miles long. Napoleon said this is the perfect battleground. And it's actually a beautiful plane from what I've seen of it. In fact, uh, Jesus could see it from Nazareth. He was up on the cliff and he could overlook this whole plane. Perfect place to assemble, if you have an army, perfect place to assemble your army. And uh, so let me go ahead and this again is uh, a passage I just read. But let me go back just a little farther in reading it. Uh, Revelation 16 again, verses 12 through 16. And it says, The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its waters dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Some people think this is where China comes in and their army. And whether they're coming to support Antichrist or oppose him, I'm not sure. But they're coming. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are de- not demonic spirits performing signs who will go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God to be uh, the, the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief, lest the one who stays awake keeping his garments on, they may not go about naked be exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. So they all staged there. Phase two, New Babylon is destroyed in Revelation 18. It's Antichrist's capital city. So he's out assembling his armies. Something comes in and destroys the city on an hour, and that's where all the merchants are crying their eyes out because their commerce is over. And actually, Antichrist's source of income is over by the city, his capital, economic capital being destroyed. Phase three, Antichrist attacks and destroys Jerusalem. Zechariah 12, one to three says, The burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus declares the Lord who stretched out the heavens and found the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. Behold, I'm about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. On that day I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves, and all the nations of the earth will gather against it." And some people say, well, that includes the United States as well, whatever exists of it at that time. Zechariah 14, 1 and 2 says, and I just read this a little while ago, but it says, Behold, a day is coming for the Lord, when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken. And the house is plundered and the woman raped. Half the city shall go out into exile. The rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Phase four, Antichrist moves against the remnant of the Jews in the wilderness in the area of Basra. Revelation 12:6. the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days, three and a half years. And uh, we read this before, Matthew 24, 16 and 20, through 20 says, And let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in the house. And let one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas last for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, praise your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. Phase five is the remnant of the Jews convert to Christ. Hosea 6, one through three says, come let us return to the Lord for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord is going out as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. And Joel 2:28 through 29. And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days they'll pour out my spirit. Zechariah 12:10 through 11. And here's we see the, the conversion. And I pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, that is, Jesus, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps for a firstborn. <coughs> weeps over a firstborn. On that day the mourning in Jerusalem will be as great as the mourning for Hadad, Roman, in the place of Megiddo. And so, they'll be mourning that they realize that Jesus is the one they've been looking for and missed. And Zechariah 13:1 says, on that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. And as I said earlier in, in Zechariah 13, verses eight and nine, it tells us that two thirds of Israel will die. One third will be saved and be purified. Those will be the remnant that saved one third of Israel. Then phase six, Jesus returns to rescue the Jewish remnant. And in Acts 1, 9 through 11, I won't read it all, but it says that same way that he he was taken up from heaven, he'll come back in the same way. And then in Matthew 24, 30, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In Revelation 1-7, Jesus says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribe of the earth will wail on account of him. And so, uh, another account here uh, is in Isaiah 63, and this shows that a lot of people think when Jesus returns, he's gonna go directly to Jerusalem, but first, he's gonna go to Basra and save the remnant, and uh, Isaiah 63, a parallel passage in Isaiah 34, I won't go there, but let me read Isaiah 63, verses one through six. Who is this that comes from Edom in crimson garments from Basra? He who is splendid in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I speaking in righteousness mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like his who treads in the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my in my wrath. Their lifeblood splattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation, my wrath upheld me. I trampled down the peoples in my anger. I made them drunk in my wrath and poured out their lifeblood on the earth. And the fact that he comes from Basra and his garments are crimson from the blood from conquering those armies that would go after Jerusalem or go after Israel. You can also read Isaiah 34 verses one through seven. I won't read that, but it's a parallel passage. Then phase seven is Jesus will confront the Antichrist and his forces will sl- and slay him and his army. This occurs in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which is right, it's the Kidron Valley between Jerusalem and, and uh, the Mount of Olives. So let me read the account. I'm sure you're familiar with this. Revelation 19, 11 through 21. from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of King and Lord of Lords. And uh, then I saw, verse 17, an angel standing in the sun with a loud voice, he called all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of the kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and the riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on his horse and against his army. And the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who in his presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and who worship, and those who worship is its image. These two were thrown alive into a lake of fire that burns the sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came out of the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged in their flesh. Uh, also, if we go back to Joel, a passage I was talking about. Uh, by the way, I'm almost done here. So i will go to end almost on time. Okay? So Joel 3, verses 9 through 17. Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I'm a warrior. Hasten and come, you surrounding nation, gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go and tread, for the winepress is full, the vats overflow for their evil is great, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw, their shining. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens the earth quake, but the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God who dwell in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy and strangers shall never again pass through it. So there we have the conquering of that, that that confronting the Antichrist. And finally, phase eight, Jesus was victoriously ascend to the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. And it says in Zechariah 14 verses three and four, then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives and that lies before Jerusalem on the east and the Mount shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley. So, one half of the mountain shall move northward and the other half southward. And it goes on there in chapter 14 to talk about some of the other changes there. So there you have it. You have all the faces of Armageddon. And uh, so, I think we're going to stop there tonight. I'll summarize a little bit more. Just talk about the seven churches of Asia Minor. I'll probably create one more handout related to that uh, for our next class. So what I see for our next class is that it will not take me very long to finish this, and I believe in the first hour I'm going to finish most of chapters 17 and 18, and probably in the second hour get into 19. And then what I would like to do is I like to do around Christmas is talk about Christ and pro- Christmas and prophecy. I did that last year. Talk about Christmas and prophecy. I think I'll have time to do that next time. So, all right, well, let me close in prayer for us. And I'll stick around if you have any questions. And I almost ended on time, so very close. Hope I wasn't reading too fast there on that. Let me close in prayer for us. Father, we thank you again for who you are. Father, we thank you again that, as we acknowledge today, there is no other God besides you. and There's no other like you. Father, we thank you that you give us an opportunity to know what to expect in the future. And we know the next thing on your agenda is for you to tell your son to come back for those that are in Christ. And Father, we thank you. You tell us that when that happens, that we should comfort ourselves with, with the words. Father, we thank you that we have that blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It also tells us in, in Colossians three verse four, it says that when Christ who is your life appears, so you also will appear with him in glory. We thank you for that promise that when he appears, we will also appear, that he is our life. We pray we would walk worthy, Lord, of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And Father, we thank you again that you revealed just a little bit to us, and we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. And Father, as we see all these things coming together around us, we see more and more that your word is being fulfilled right before our eyes. And as we said before, things are not falling apart, but they're falling in place. And we really believe that, that we can see together all these things moving that we wouldn't have even seen a few years ago. And we take encouragement in that, knowing that you're in control, you are fulfilling every word. So Father, we pray again that you'd, we would walk away worthy, that everything we do would glorify you. Give us safety as we travel home. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.